welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, listeners. I hope you're enjoying season two as much as I'm enjoying creating these episodes. If the show has become a must-listen for you, please help us grow by sharing it with your friends and on social media. We post out an episode on most social media platforms, and it helps when you make positive comments and forward it on. And if you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, please take five minutes and review us. Every review helps us a little bit, so thank you very much. We are in the midst of great change. It would be hard to argue against this observation. There are enormous changes afoot in society, in how we work, in how we educate our children and ourselves, in our relationship with others and the planet. And consciousness is evolving and expanding, as many of you are noticing. How do we navigate the suddenly stormy waters we have found ourselves in? What can we depend on that will help us through these transitions? How, as creative humans, do we continue to create with alignment and heart in the midst of such uncertainty and stress? Today's conversation is about this very topic. My guest today is Sharon Weil. Sharon has long been engaged in the conversation about courage and change as an author, activist, award-winning filmmaker, and somatic educator. She is the author of Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, which draws upon the collective wisdom of 25 change innovators across many fields. She is also the host of Passing for Normal podcasts, Conversations About Change, and for the past 21 years, Sharon has been a somatic movement educator and continuum teacher. Here is my interview with Sharon Weil. Okay, I'm here with Sharon Weil, author and podcaster Sharon Weil. Sharon, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Tony. It's so good to be in conversation with you. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've got a you've got a podcast called Passing for Normal, and it's a great title for a for a show. And I think passing for normal is a phrase that many creatives and artists can relate to. And I guess my first question for you is just, um, is this something like, did you always feel like you were outside of what maybe would be considered the normal culture? Was it, or was it something that you grew into as a creative person over time? What was, what has been a little bit of your journey on that? Well, um, you know, it's funny because when I do say to people about my podcast, you know, Passing for Normal, they always laugh in recognition because I Mm -hmm. feel that I think most everyone feels in some way that they are, uh, that something else is going on beneath the surface of what other people see. Um, For me, it was actually uh, given to me um, by a friend who said to me one day, oh, you know, you are a mother and you, uh, you know, work in all these different worlds, but you're just passing for normal. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's right. You know, we all, uh, you know, we all have a way of um, yearning, I think, to be, mm-hmm. to have our inside match our outside. And oftentimes it doesn't because of the context, because of the circumstances that we live in, but it's something that we strive. And the reason that I call uh, my podcast Passing for Normal is because I really think of Passing for Normal as a way of bringing outside ideas into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. And by passing for normal, you can do it in a much more uh, stealth way mm -hmm. uh, that perhaps doesn't create as much stir and therefore resistance. And so um, outside ideas, creative ideas can come into the mainstream. That's great. I love that. The inside matching the outside. I remember, you know, I was, when I went to college, there wasn't really anything. I didn't have a sense of being an outsider to the culture. I was an athlete and, you know, I didn't have very many like esoteric notions. And then I read Ram Dass's Be Here Now when I was like, you know, 19 years old mm -hmm. and it sparked this kind of seeker in me, you know, I started to realize that there was this massive like conversations that were happening um, in consciousness that were outside of my sports talk and my jock friends. And so that really was the spark of me, you know, now it's been a lifelong journey of seeking truth, seeking, uh, you know, things that match the heart um, and as well as seeking teachers that resonate with me. And that would have never, that would have never happened had I not, you know, oh, maybe it would have happened in a different way, but that was really, that book sparked what was sort of a lifelong seeking of, of truth and, and things that were deeper that, like you had said, the inside matched the outside. Well, there are, I think, these truths that live inside of us that we all know. And when... Um, we come across them, when we come across them from another person, from a teacher, from words of wisdom, from poetry, from art, from nature. There's something that gets, that, there's such a resonance that, that we can feel, I know this, I know this deeply, this is true for me. And those become uh, trails that we can follow that lead us to a deeper um, sense of our, our self and our own knowing. That's great. That's great. What's your definition of an awakener for our listeners? So to me, awakeners are uh, teachers, healers, spiritual leaders, wise people, someone who inspires you, someone who is a living example of Got what it. is possible. Got it. And why are artists and awakeners so important in uncertain or turbulent times like the ones we're in right now? Well, artists are our thought leaders in many ways. You know, mm -hmm. artists are our deep listeners. They're scanning the horizon for what's going on and how to respond to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, artists, artists deal in the medium of change, right? That's, that is what they're working with. And they're also working with beauty, with inspiration, and with um, creating a selective focus. You know, they're, they're able to uh, distill things, distill the scene, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes with humor, sometimes with um, pathos, mm -hmm. uh, by using a selective lens to help us zoom in to what is happening now. That's great. That's great. And in terms of the pandemic, um, what what do you see us learning right now as a tribe? And maybe what is something that you have learned during this retreat, I guess, is the only way to call it. Right. Oh, my gosh. So many things, so many lessons for us to be learning. I think that the overall message is about coexistence with each other, inequality, with other life forms, with the virus itself. Um, coexistence of biological systems and social systems. And I think we're all understanding the intricacy of, of how it is uh, our lives and our societies are built and that 
we need to be honoring nature and we also need to have a, a, a economy that's working and that includes everybody. And so there are lessons about looking for balance, whether it's looking for balance in the larger world, again, between the biological world and social systems or whether it's in one's personal um, personal balance. I feel like when the quarantine hit our shores and everyone was scrambling and the shutdowns were happening very quickly, that we were each caught in a snapshot of our own lives. Mm, yeah. And that it, it showed us exactly where do I live, who, do, who am I with, and what am I doing? Yes. And that that offered us an opportunity because we couldn't go anywhere to go in. Yeah. to go inside and really sit with the people who we are, who are in our family or sit with being home. I'm someone who travels a lot and now I'm home. Yeah. And so suddenly I'm like looking around and saying, well, what is my home and how do I feel about my home and my neighborhood? And, um, and oh my goodness, the, you know, when we stopped, uh, uh, being so busy and doing and, and, and producing and, and the natural world was so happy. I don't know. We saw so many photographs of, of yeah. industrial areas where the pollution had cleared and here the skies were so blue and the bird song I was know. outrageous. I know. That's one of the things I really noticed about a week or two into the quarantine is how vivid nature looked it like it took a big breath of fresh air like the 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 blue was bluer and you're right the songbirds up here i'm in seattle i mean i hadn't heard the birds like that in a long time and i was like wow this is this is amazing to hear nature singing the praises of this (laughs) you know so yes like we're happy we're so happy i think there also was a particular migration happening at that time certainly on the west coast yeah so that there were a lot of birds and a lot of nesting and a lot of singing going on It, it was coexisting and it was you know i live in los angeles and it was early springtime. And so mm-hmm. everything was starting the buds, the, the leaves, the, you know, and so it was, it was a time when you could really watch the unfolding and the happiness of the natural world. If I can speak for the natural world. <laughs> right. Right. You mentioned seeing a snapshot of yourself. One of the things, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but one of the snapshots I saw for me and my family is I'm like, geez, we used to spend a lot of money on nothing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. like, out and about, spending money on this, 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 like not, you know, not on essentials. Like I was like, once all the diversions and the different, you know, the, once that was taken away, I was like, why are, why is money so comfortable right now? I'm like, I'm looking at our checkbook and I'm like, we're not spending anything other than groceries. And it was a real shock of like how just unconsciously I'm in the consumerism of, you know, oh, I'm going out, got my money in my pocket and who knows what I'll spend it on, but it'll be on something, you know, kind of almost, you know, not, not really aware that that was my attitude, but that's exactly what was going on. Right. And in addition, um, when so many stores and businesses were closed, recognizing or asking myself, do I have what I need? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, yes, I do have what I need. Right. You know, maybe I didn't have enough toilet paper at the moment. I actually did. But, um, you know, do I have what I need and is this enough? Right. So really being able to ask those questions, what do I need and do I have what I need? And then understanding that a lot of our economy 
also works on all of these purchases that we don't necessarily need. So my pulling in, my pulling in my needs, making it more simple is Mm -hmm. also affecting the economy, but it also is an indication that maybe we can make some shifts in what we produce and what we consume. That's great. That's great. You know, I was listening to one of the episodes of your podcast and something um, really stuck with me. You said that you were feeling like your tools were insufficient for what was happening. And, you know, I lead men's groups and workshops. And this is a kind of a common sentiment right now is like, these are the tools we've used for our self-care, for our spirituality, or for our inner knowing and there's this kind of battle fatigue right now and going, are we, are these tools enough for these turbulent times? Is the boat steady enough? Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about this. What, what have you discovered about this? And what is an appropriate response when you discover I'm doubting my tools? Is it, is it uh, you know, uh, rest and assess? What, what's the maneuver when you find yourself doubting maybe the tools that got you there? Well, let me just say that, you know, I have been uh, writing and and teaching about change and changeability for a number of years. And so I was very surprised Mm -hmm. when I found myself to be without tools when this um, when this quarantine came in and the pandemic came to our shores. And um, I found myself uh, in real fear. And real anxiety and the heart palpitations that went along with it and not being able to sleep. And part of that was my college age daughter. Her school had closed and she was driving across country um, and texting me saying, I hear the California borders are closing. And and so every time she's saying something like that, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, are we like really not going to be able to to meet up and be together? And so Mm -hmm. um, I found that I needed to go back to the beginning. I realized that my meditation practice had gotten thin, that Mm -hmm. my movement practice had gotten thin, and that the pillars that I stand on, the practices that are the pillars that I stand on were thin. And I needed to go back to the beginning. And so I did. I put myself back in a morning meditation and in um, a movement practice. And I took sleeping pills when I needed to. I've never taken sleeping pills in my life, but I needed to do that for a couple of weeks to just get my system um, settled. And, you know, so sometimes our tools don't work because they're obsolete or they're not the right tool for the right job, right? Mm -hmm. But in this case, I feel like my tools were not available because I had uh, so much fear in my system. Yeah. And so we understand that, you know, when, and a lot of psychologists are saying that, that um, people who are experiencing extreme anxiety during this time are really having other traumas, other past traumas being triggered Mm. and that we're all bringing our associations to what is happening. And so whatever I can do to help me really understand where I am right now you know, sitting in the chair, what are my grounding practices? How do I be here right now and understand that right now I'm fine. I'm okay. There's nothing, you know, whatever those, those uh, trauma triggers are that stir things up. I need to sort of um, ground myself in the present moment. And so, um, and I also did a series of podcasts right away 
with somatic educators. I wanted to be in conversation with them Mm -hmm. um, for myself and to provide listeners with ways to self-regulate, to uh, have self-care and to develop tools. You know, we, we, by being cut off from the outside world, however you experience the shelter at home, it's like, okay, maybe my doctor's not available. Maybe my, my body worker's not available. Um, maybe I can't go walking in the woods right now, but what can I do right now at home? And it all comes down, came down, comes down to the breath, mm -hmm. working with the breath and working with simple movement. Because yeah. the breath really is our greatest state shifter. It can be immediate. Within three breaths, I can find a way to calm my system. That's great. Yeah, I, I relate to the, um, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, I had a lot more time for meditation and mantra. And at the beginning, I was like, you know, is this really what I need to be doing? And I realized that my practice too had gotten thin. And so I was like, you know, this is really, if you give yourself to this, it's going to help you tremendously. And, and I have found that to be the case, like the more space I give for deep listening or for meditation or breath work, um, mantra, using sound, I find that it's the one thing that's giving me um, space in this because it seems like the news is like everything's coming out. It's just one thing after the next. And if I don't stay calm and clear, um, it's going to create a lot of fear in my system. Right. And I want to say too, that, you know, a lot of people are sheltered at home with young children. Right. Yeah. With, with, with elderly people, yeah. they're working their jobs online and maybe working even harder. I know a lot of teachers who are teaching online and it was just, you know, such an effort to make that, that conversion. Yeah. And so the idea is that, many people's lives, even though they're sheltered and in a pause, are, are, are very consumed with um, working with others. And, and so the idea is, though, that you can take five minutes. You can't take 10 minutes to breathe and to settle and to look out the window. If you can't get outside and walk in nature, you can look at it and, um, and be refreshed somehow. Um, and even if you did that a few times a day, it really does help, like you say, balance out what we're hearing and how we're reacting to the news. That's great. Um, well, let's talk about your your excellent book. It's it, The title is Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change. What a great, timely book right now. Um, and how did, how did you come about writing it? And you have you have seven principles in there. I thought maybe we could, um, you know, I know you elaborate a lot on the book on the principles. Maybe we can touch on what the principles are and then just compare a little like, you know, what are you emphasizing right now? Or what seems particularly relevant in those principles for you? But first of all, I guess, how did you, how did you come to write it? And, and how did you come up with the principles? Great. So, um, so uh, when I first began the podcast, Passing for Normal, mm -hmm. my intention was to talk to change makers across many different fields and understand more about how it is that people are brave to change and how it is that people um, help others adapt to change. Mm -hmm. And in listening to these phenomenally wise and experienced guests, I started hearing common things about how they approach change. 
So much so that I was able to draw seven principles that are common to all change situations or are needed in order to deal with complex change, because change is never simple. It's always, you know, and it can become like this tangled yarn ball of change, which a lot of times people either find themselves overwhelmed in change or stuck in change. And here we've got a situation in the pandemic where whether you're overwhelmed or stuck, you're being pushed. You know, you're not in your own natural rhythm of how you approach change and everyone's being pushed, pushed, pushed. And so it's creating so much reactivity. Yeah. And I do just want to say that a lot of how we respond to change has to do with the speed of change. You know, because I'm also a movement teacher, a movement educator, somatic educator, um, I look at change as the movement of change and either what facilitates the movement of change or what impedes the movement of change. And understanding that the speed of change, how quickly change is happening and how comfortable you are either with fast moving change or Maybe you're uncomfortable when change is just not moving at all, like people stuck at home and they can't go out and they can't do anything, right? And so understanding that the way that we perceive change and work with change has a lot to do with our response to change or our willingness to change itself. That's great. So the seven principles, the seven principles are bring awareness, which speaks to information and just understanding the nature of the change that you're in. Listen deeply, which has to do with true inquiry. What is going on right now and how do I need to respond? Find community, which has to do with support and help, whether it's from people, information, resources, practices, spiritual practices. Proceed incrementally, which has to do with the strategy and how we approach change best little by little breath by breath, moment to moment, aligned with nature, speaks to really asking how does nature do it, looking to the wisdom of nature and looking to the proper timing for change, have hope, without it, we wouldn't even try, and spark fire, which has to do with how we animate ourselves in courage, in passion, in play, you know, what's our compelling reason why we are going to make this change. So I'm finding that The three principles that are standing out the most to me right now are listen deeply, find community, and align with nature. Those are the three I had marked too. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen deeply is about really um, using our inquiry and really asking. And this is where people, you know, are sort of like in that snapshot asking what what do I need right now? And what is working for me? And also in listening deeply is this idea of course correction mm-hmm. and understanding that we have to continually in change, make small course corrections. And the way that we assess where we are right now is we listen deeply. Where am I? What's going on? What's the response to this change or this change action? I mean, I look at, I'm in California right now and They're threatening another shelter-at-home order if we can't get the case numbers down. Mm -hmm. And so as as they uh, were rolling out the plan, everyone wants a plan. Everyone likes a plan, right? And so as they were rolling out the reopening plan, phase one, phase two, phase three, um, each one of those require course corrections. and, And change doesn't move in a straight line. And so maybe the next course correction after reopening is to pull it back. 
Right. Right. But that's the way change moves. It doesn't move in a, in a, in a straight line, Correct. but it does yeah. move incrementally. And the way that we navigate is through small course correction. That's great. I mean, I, I was, I think I was saying something in one of my men's groups that I feel like right now, if the only thing that I worked on was to deepen my listening, that would be enough. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing else. Like if that skill, if I, if I, if I just deepen my ability to listen to my heart, to listen to others, to the, to nature, to the pulse of what's happening, um, that that would be, I would be serving by doing that, you know? And so it sounds really counterintuitive to, you know, what are you going to do or what's your, you know, with the economy shut down, you know, how are you going to strategize your business or whatever? It's actually completely, you know, almost counter to that, which is like, if I could just get really, really um, sensitive to listening to, to feeling others, feeling what's happening in nature and the, and the larger context, um, I think I would be in pretty good shape. <laughs> so. But also if I re if I need to rethink my business yeah, yeah, yeah. in this, in this environment, the first thing I want to do is listen deeply yep. and read the waters. Yep. Absolutely. What, is possible. You know, a lot of people are coming up with some very interesting workarounds yep. to keep their businesses going and to keep things active. And um, and so that comes from a sense of deep listening and reading the waters, understanding what's happening now and and allowing inspiration to, uh, to bubble up. That's great. I love that, Sharon. Um, Last question, what what creative projects do you have coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about? Like when's the next season of the pod coming? And do you have some workshops, programs? Where can we find your book? Like what would you like our listeners to know about? So the first thing is that you can find me and everything about me on my website, which is SharonWeilAuthor.com. And so that's S-H-A-R-O-N-W-E-I-L-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And on there, you can find out about the podcast and about my books and also about the movement work that I teach, Continuum. Um, so I just finished this uh, series of, of uh, podcasts about specifically about the sheltering time. Um, and so those are available on, on archive and, and those are good to listen to. You can find them through the website or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, My books, Changeability and the Changeability Playbook are also available where you buy books. And, um, uh, and right now, you know, I, I have for many years been in the film and television business before I started writing books, I was writing screenplays and producing things. And so I am currently uh, adapting my uh, funny political romantic mishap adventure called Donnie and Ursula save the world into an episodic television show. So stay tuned. Uh, Right on. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on. It was just an absolute pleasure to connect with you. Uh, Keep up the good work and thanks for all the work you do, uh, bringing more insights and wisdom out into the world. It's much needed. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Tony. It's been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed our time with Sharon Weil. I love what she said about how change doesn't often move in a straight line. It wants to move at its own pace, with a couple steps forward, then a step back or sideways. I think this is a valuable and practical insight. Learning to listen more deeply, find community, align with nature. These are part of Sharon's principles in her book, and it's also timeless wisdom to help us through choppy waters. For more information on Sharon, her book, and her podcast, 
go to www.sharonweilauthor.com. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men. 